Hello. Hello. That sounds better. Yeah, it sounds a little better. Awesome. Um, okay. Well, then I guess let's get started. Uh, I get uh, most of you know my voice, uh, Mr. White, and most of you know your turn. Oh, sorry, I was crinkling. <laughs> <laughs> and most of you know me. This is Miss Prickett. Hello. Awesome. Well, uh, what we decided that we wanted to do to kind of further our, um, I guess, our e-learning lessons to you guys is we wanted to create a podcast. Um, Obviously, we're having a little bit of technical issues because it sounds like somebody's typing in the background. I promise you it's not me and it's not Miss Prickett. It's not me. So um, we'll see if if it actually gets recorded on, but Whatever we're going to push through. This is our first one, so we'll improve. Yeah, we will improve. Uh, maybe we'll use a new um, a new platform. I don't know. But we'll, uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, so, uh, the podcast is going to be called His and Her Story. Get it? It's like history. Um, and we're going to talk about little-known parts of history. Well, at least little-known as not to people don't really school. Yeah, not really taught in school. So um, we're going to move back and forth. Uh, I'll do, I'll tell the story of one part of history. And then the next time Miss Prickett will tell one part of history. And we'll uh, kind of interact with each other just to kind of give you guys a more full, I guess, idea on um, what we've chosen uh, for our thing. So, I guess without further ado, let's get started. Um, Today, I've chosen to talk about Unit 731. So, uh, before I get started, um, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to source most of my material. A lot of it came from a movie called The Truth of Unit 731 by the NHK, which is the Nippon Hoso Kyokai, which is the Japanese broadcasting system. So it's a pretty reputable source. It had a lot of primary and secondary sources. Um, and then other things around the internet, but most of it, like I said, comes from the truth of Unit 731. So, uh, I guess to start, um, in about uh, 1936, well, actually, let, let me go back a little farther. Um, in the 1930s, Japan has taken over part of northern China and has turned it into not Japan but it's a puppet state. It's called Manchukuo. Uh, it's part of uh, people from northern China tend to be of a ethnic background called Manchurians. So um, this, that's why it's called Manchukuo. It's in northeastern China uh, centered around a city called Harbin. Um, there's this army organization called the Kwantung Army Epidemic uh, Prevention and Water Supply Division. That is a lot of words to say, but it's really just Unit 731. It's a disguise. So 731, they are a covert troop to design and to test bacteriological warfare. So at this time, you are not in the world. You are not allowed to use bacteriological things. You're not allowed to put virus bombs and stuff like that on people. 
they learned their lesson from World War One with mustard gas and all that, and they said, well, we're not going to do that anymore. But Japan is still going to do it, and the reason they you they say that they're going to do it is because uh, it's self defense, you know. I mean, because somebody else is going to do it to them, so they they've got to figure out how to deal with this. Were there any specific uh, causes as far as the um, certain, I guess, self defense mechanisms they were hoping to provide to their country? Well, I mean, yeah, you, you know, it's. Obviously, it's just advancing scientific knowledge for scientific knowledge. And um, they obviously were also, uh, they found themselves in a situation where there were a lot of um, people that were speaking out against the, their government, which mainly the, the Chinese people who did not like being taken over. And this was, an, instead of just throwing them in a prison and letting them rot, this was a better way, according to them, to use those bodies. Maybe we use them for science. So it's not, it's tough to, for us to look at it and say, oh yeah, this is, uh, <laughs> this Something is okay. okay. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just not. So, um, the reason, the reason I'm talking about this today is because all y'all know in world war two, we've all heard about the Nazis concentration camps, the Holocaust, everybody knows about that. And it's horrific, but we don't really know about this. And I'll tell you why in, in just a little bit. But during this time, it's estimated up to 500,000 Chinese people were killed. Um, 3,000 in direct experiments. The rest through bacteriological death. Um, they did pretty horrific things to them. Was it only the Chinese that they were experimenting on? Or were there a few other countries involved? Oh. Well, I mean, so so he, so here's here's what happens. Uh, China has this uh, Manchukuo, um, and they're fighting currently with the Soviet Union. So there were Soviets who they had grabbed. There were some prisoners of war. Some Americans got tied into this. Uh, we don't have a lot of uh, the um, records on that part, but mainly Chinese. There were some Japanese political prisoners mm -hmm. that were part of it because if you spoke out against the Japanese government, bad things are going to happen to you. Um, all right, so there's this gigantic complex um, just outside of Harbin, the city, a city called Harbin, um, and this is where all the people went. And, and you'd be like, well, how could all these how do you have scientists in here? How, how could scientists be in this? So there was kind of a pay-for-play situation happening in Japan where uh, the universities in Japan, specifically the Kyoto University and Tokyo University, sent researchers into the army. And the army ended up funneling money to the professors at the university. <laughs> which seems crazy, but it was a way to get really highly skilled researchers to come out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it's, and there were, you know, some of these guys didn't want to go, but it's like, look, if you don't go, you're going to be thrown out on your butt and have a job. And you won't have a job. And people are like, okay, well, I'm going to do that. Um, let me see. So there was a bunch of different, like uh, the bacteriological stuff, uh, 
one of the crazier ones is you had this one guy, Pavey, who developed a lethal salmonella typhi bomb. So that's one of the things they were doing. Like they, they were big into any of these biological. They, they dealt with the Black Plague. They dealt with um, pretty much everything you can imagine. And they just did these horrific, horrific things. Um, and you might be saying to yourself, well, how, I don't get how this can be, this can be okay. I mean, like, how do the, how do the Japanese people allow this to go on? Right. Cause I mean, you're, you're sitting in your home and saying, that's just terrible. There's no way I would let my government do this. Mm-hmm. But what they did, I mean, we've talked about yellow journalism and they had their own little version of yellow journalism. Mm-hmm. So, um, Yes, when Japan began invading China in 1937, the Japanese army started taking losses, and they didn't like that. So they had to figure out, well, how can we dehumanize the Chinese people? So they started calling all the Chinese people bandits. And the government used the media to stir up hatred against the Chinese. Um, And here's a direct quote uh, from one of the newspapers. Exterminate the bandits. Now, the public was strongly supporting the army suppression of the Chinese people. So it's like everybody was going after them. Mm-hmm. Not, not, a good, not a good situation. And then you had even like it went so far as to here's a medical. Um, here is a quote from a medical paper. A dude in the um, Tokyo University wrote this paper to explain to the normal people why they needed to test on human beings. You're just talking about live human beings, not corpses, but live human beings. This guy is, uh, he was a scientist that dealt with chromosomal something, chromosomes. He said, just killing these bandits does not count as revenge. I believe we use them as experimental subjects. Dead corpses cannot be used because the condition of the chromosomes will deteriorate. It is definitely not meaningless to sacrifice bandits. They are exact or excellent experimental subjects, and we should not waste that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So it you could compare it a little bit to how I guess some of you have probably learned about World War II. And as Mr. Weich mentioned, mostly Germany at this point is what you've probably focused on. And Germany mm-hmm. had similar kind of propaganda tactics and things um, specifically to scapegoat certain groups of people. You've mostly probably heard about the Jews, but... This is kind of what's going on here in Japan. But again, we don't hear about this as much, which Mr. Weish, I'm sure, is going to get to why that is um, a little later in the podcast. But just to kind of help yeah. you see, you know, what tactics they're using here, you can kind of compare it to what was going on in Germany as well. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, um, like I said, I was watching that, uh, that little that movie by the NHK, and they bring on a guy who was there. He was 14 when he was recruited into the army, and he was uh, kind of a menial worker. He worked on the uh, airplanes um, at the Unit 37, like their, their main headquarters. And the stuff he saw was, I mean, obviously pretty horrific, you know. Um, and there is a quote from him I have as well somewhere in here. Um, let me see. Okay. Yes. He said that if I showed pity, I could not be a Japanese citizen and should be killed. It lets you go, it lets you see why people were participating. I mean, even in these horrific things like um, some of the 
I guess some of the experiments they that they went through, uh, something called vivisection, where you kind of cut somebody open, right? Um, they removed people's organs. They amputated people for a blood loss studies without anesthesia, meaning they weren't drugged up. They felt everything. Uh, they did, I mean, horrific things, um, not just by uh, bacteriologically, but they also exposed people to um, extreme colds. Because this is this is northern China, which is pretty much in Russia, and it's super cold in the winter. So, like, we're talking about, like, negative 7 degrees Fahrenheit. And they would turn fans on people to see how frostbite would affect their hands and feet. Um it's just uh, the more I read about this, I mean, I knew about it, but the more I read about it, this is the more horrifying this, this stuff was. They tied people to stakes um, and then practice using their bombs overhead, like uh, the viral bombs that w- they would explode and shower the viral agents on people. I mean, just truly horrific things. And they didn't care man, woman, or child, they tested everybody. It did not matter. It was all in the pursuit of science, supposedly. So did any of the, this may be getting a little ahead, so you can hold off on this if you yeah, want, yeah. but um, did any of the doctors um, who were participating in these horrific experiments, did any of them later on show any remorse or have any apologies or anything hmm. um, of the sort? Um, I, I will go... Um, we'll table that question because uh, you did have, you had some doctors I know deny it later, but, um, and deny that they, they did any of this stuff. But the answer is almost universally. No, there was one guy, there was one, I don't have his name, but uh, in the night, late 1940s, 1949, there was a Russian um, war crimes tribunal, or a, sorry, Soviet, uh, that was called the Trial of Harbrovsk. Um, and for those of you who don't know, had, the Soviets are, are Russia. We haven't really talked about it yeah. yet, but just to clarify, Soviet Union is what is now considered Russia. Yeah. And there were 12 Unit 731 leaders that were um, sanctioned by this trial. And one of them, one of the doctors, he had said, yeah, now I'm living back in Japan and I'm with, you know, my wife and kids. And I see that what I've done is truly horrific. And he said, I'm going to have to live the rest of my life trying to make up for the horrors that I've done. And I I mean, I don't know with, with with the things that they did, if you ever could, Um, I guess getting back to, uh, but the, I, at the very end, um, I'll talk about the legacy of this, like like the like what the doctors, um, some of the doctors who I don't want to give it away, but survived this thing, did later in okay. life, which is uh, so pretty stay bad. tuned, don't go away. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, where was that? Okay, so we were talking about some of the like the horrific things that that they did. Um, yeah, so what they did is there's this thing called Yersinia uh, pestis, which is just another uh, viral agent, and they used it to spread by they spread it by fleas. So what they would do is they would lock people in. Um, they they would either drop fleas from an airplane. I mean, 
I guess they'd have like some kind of container full of the sick of the, uh, the fleas, and they drop them over a city. Low flying airplanes. They lock people in. Um, uh, they lock people in buildings, and they wait for them to all to get infected. Uh, and then, and then we finally get to like the like. 1940, 1941. So they've been doing these experiments for about three or four years, and they actually start now attacking cities um, by, like I said, uh, by doing low flying planes, by poisoning water sources, um, not poisoning. I'm sorry, infecting water sources like wells or reservoirs. Uh, I mean, it just it, it goes on and on. There is one instance where there were two Chinese asylums of captives, so they would they would work on mentally ill p- people. And what they, what they did is they made steam buns or manju, a steam bun, waited for them to cool and then injected them with bacteria and then passed them out to the, uh, all the um, people in the asylums. And they, then they released the people. Oh my gosh. So they would spread the diseases, right? Or spread the, the agents. It was just, like I said, it's, it, it, this was actually, tougher than I expected to to do research on. Yeah, and to hear some of this, I mean, I, you know, have researched some as well, not quite as extensively as Mr. Weish since he was telling the story, but it, you know, it's just kind of mind-blowing to hear all of this and, you know, what what occurred and that this actually happened. It kind of seems like something that would be in a movie and be fiction. Yeah. To, uh, To bring a little more home, uh, they also the prisoners were called logs, L O G S, like a like a log from a tree, and they would make jokes about, well, well, how many logs fell today? Uh, it's another way that they're dehumanizing people. So it's not they're not Chinese right, people. So that they're just, they're just yeah. logs. Yeah, and it's and you don't care if a log is experimented on, but you might care if a person yeah. does. So as long as we can make them not people, it's super easy yeah. to do. Actually, justification, and you, yeah, and you're like, well, you know, at least, at least they didn't do any of this to America, right? They, they didn't release any of these things. Actually, um, there was a biological attack planned on San Diego on um, September 22nd, 1945. Luckily, Japan had surrendered five weeks prior to this attack, but there was an attack planned, a biological attack planned to go on to San Diego. So like it was very close. I mean they, they were coming to us. Yeah. Wow. All right, well, I mean, you heard all these terrible things. Now it's nineteen forty five. The Soviet army attacked Manchu. Um and unit seven thirty one retreats and destroys all the evidence, killing all the captives, incinerating the bodies, burning them, very similar to what the Germans did. Just burned all the bodies. There were no, there was no survivors. Nobody survived when they went into these prisons. No one survived, and because of that, there's nobody to tell the story. Mm-hmm. Right? It makes it pretty tough. It, you could you could see when Allied troops go into Germany and liberate uh, the concentration camps. There yeah. were people there, right? They, I mean, they right. could hear the stories. Yeah, they could see it. But you could not see this, so they, so all, all the Japanese researchers make it all make it back to Japan, and then finally, um, World War II is over. So you have a man named uh, Lieutenant Colonel Murray Sanders. 
He's a microbiologist um, from the U.S. He arrives in pretty well known, and he arrives in Japan, and then he's looking for any you know, I guess any research kind of similar to what we did for Nazi German for the Nazi Germans. We were looking for research, anything that these people had gained. Nobody knew about 731. So then finally, he's like, okay, well, I don't got anything. So guess what? Uh, you're all going to go to a war to a war crimes tribunal he- held in the Soviet Union. Freaked the Japanese out. So then they started telling them about 731. So Lieutenant Colonel Sanders goes to General Douglas MacArthur, the guy who's the head, the head general in Japan at the time, and says, look, we got all this great information. You know what? We want it. So what MacArthur does is he secretly allows all these Japanese scientists to go free. Say, you know what? You go live your life. You give me all your information. So they basically get immunity for their war crimes. Yes. It's very similar. There's something called Operation Paperclip. That was another secret thing. That's how we got a bunch of Nazi scientists to come over to America. Like, we have Nazis to thank for us getting to the moon. I know that might sound crazy, but Werner von Braun was a Nazi scientist. He was the one who designed the V-2 rockets, and he was the head of our space program <laughs> after World War II because the dude knew how to make rockets, mm-hmm. obviously. And we brought him over under this thing called Operation mm-hmm. Paperclip. And we, but we, so it's just, so, so, so okay, so you, now you have these guys get immunity and you say, well, okay, well, what happens to them? I mean, they, so one graduate, so you had one guy who started working on Japanese subjects from 1947 to 1956 while he was working for the Japanese National Institute of Health Sciences. And he inf- uh, infected prisoners with rickets uh, and mental health patients with typhus. So he basically continues <laughs> the experience Later- just now with the actual Japanese people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and people didn't know this. They, I mean, they, they uncovered it later. Um, and then after the end of the American occupation of Japan in the 1950s, uh, human experiments began getting carried out in Nagoya uh, City Pediatric Hospital. So on kids. Um, <laughs> you, you have a bunch of these guys who are going on to do this. And the there's a guy that I haven't even talked about yet. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Shiro Ishii, who was the head of Unit 731. He was a graduate of uh, Kyoto University's medical program. He was a big deal. All, all, the bio, all the biologists, all the scientists in Japan knew him. That's how he, he got a bunch of scientists to come over and work in 731. This guy goes on and lives until he dies of cancer in like the 60s or 70s. And he's fine at home. Living with his family, wow. doing his thing. So even the head doesn't get any penalty. It's Yeah, no penalty whatsoever. So and, did the Japanese government the thing is, know about this at this point? Well, the Japanese government do, does know about it, but um, it presented a special problem, unlike the Nazi human experimentation, because U.S. publicly condemned the Nazis' Experiments. Right. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't even acknowledge. Yeah, we didn't acknowledge 731. And if we're not acknowledging 731, they're not going to acknowledge right. 731. Because, I mean, you don't want to. If you you don't want to take ownership right. for something that terrible. 
actually history books referenced it, but they didn't they didn't really say what it did. They said, oh yeah, there was this you know weapons unit seven thirty one. Uh, so and then eventually it got so bad that the Ministry of Education attempted to remove passages about 731 in the textbook on the basis that the testimony was insufficient. And the Japanese court or Supreme Court ruled in 1997 that the testimony was indeed sufficient and that requiring it to be removed was illegal and a violation of the freedom so of speech. So you said that was when the 90s? So, yeah, so that's, that's 97. You know, about 50 years after. Um, yeah, and in August August 2002, Tokyo District Court ruled for the first time that Japan had engaged in biological warfare. Up until this point, Japan had said we've never done it. We didn't do any of it, even though they had killed, you know, hundreds of thousands of people through biological warfare. And, and had the Chinese tried to tell? people that this had happened or was it kind of still under the radar there as well well yes they they had the soviets had uh it was kind of like a dirty little secret but understand that at this point the chinese all these records right so there's gone. no way of really proving it you can't verify yeah you, you, you can't verify so it's just it's one of these situations where you just I don't know. You just have to kind of like, hey, man, th- this happened. But everybody, but Japan's like, yeah, yeah. I, I, prove it. Prove, prove it happened. And you can say everything you want, but until the government actually says, yeah, we did this, which it wasn't until 2002. I yeah. mean, it didn't it didn't happen. Right. If you can't prove it. Hmm. Wow. Man. There, there was one thing I did want to, uh, uh, I mean, I think the, the main question that I came away with, you know, is how could a right. doctor do when this, When doctor's right? profession is supposed to be helping people. Yeah. And like I said earlier, it's all about scaring people in, into believing that these Chinese people are bad, that they're like, they're not human. They're logs or bandits and they deserve to die. They that the uh that they need to exterminate right. the bandits. Hmm. It's just it's a truly horrific part of history and it makes me sad that America yeah. engaged in and didn't fight oh, back and, against uh, it. And w- no, and with that in mind, America doing that, there's a consensus in a, uh, with American scientists that the data that was gained from these horrific things uh, was of little to no value. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So they haven't used any of the data, regardless is what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, it, not, not that we wouldn't have. If it was good data, we would have used it for 100%, just like we did with the Nazis. We would have used that. We would have yeah. used that information. But we, we granted these monsters, and I feel alright yeah. calling them monsters. We grant we gave these monsters to continue to blend into society and yeah. to go back to their and lives. And for some of them to continue the experience with experiments with their own people, which is just troubling that even after doing it for so many years during the war, they just continue to do it. I mean, it shows there's, I don't know, really no remorse for most of them. Yeah, it's, it, it's oh, mind-boggling. Man. 
Well, yeah. Sorry, guys. It was yeah. such a downer. I'll, I'll try to. One, I'll try to pick a little bit of a. We'll see. We'll see. But you know, that's part yeah. of history. You know, gotta uncover mm-hmm. some of these we... dark truths that are out there. So. Absolutely. Uh, as far as it goes, I think this was ended up being a pretty good first try. Hopefully the um, uh, audio turns out mm-hmm. all right. Um, and then we can continue to get you guys something out like, like this about every yeah, Friday. That's the plan we is that we'll try to have a kind of mini story every Friday um, in Google Classroom for you guys. So hopefully you enjoyed it. And thank yeah. Mr. Weiss for doing most of the research for this one um i i honestly learned a good bit from just listening to him so um and we're going to switch over to miss cricket next time she's gonna be the one detailing a historical um back and forth so little known historical thing i'm not sure yet (laughs) yeah uh so like i said uh this one hopefully will drop on monday um or tuesday Depends on obviously me getting it set up, and then the um, then from then on we'll try yeah. to do it every but Friday. Let um either of us know guys. if you have any more questions about it, and we'll try to answer them. But yeah, hopefully you guys enjoyed learning about this. Well, thank you guys for listening in, and we'll uh, we'll think of some sna- some snazzy sign off next. <laughs> Haven't time, gotten but, that um... far yet. <laughs> No, have not gotten that far. That I should have thought about that All a little right. earlier. But um, we'll right, well, we'll see you guys next time.